Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is all about building an empire with the wonderful Dr. Kunal Patel who you might know as the face behind Dove Teeth Dental which is a rapidly growing dental brand. In this episode we talk about Kunal's journey from studying dentistry abroad to owning his first dental practice and now opening up six additional ones in the UK. He talks about his challenges and why studying dentistry abroad may have actually been beneficial to him and he shares his advice to young dentists who are looking to build an empire. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado, let's get into it. Hi Kunal, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So um, I know you're a big fan of the podcast and you've listened to all of the episodes beforehand. So (laughs) (laughs) So we usually start this off by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got to where you are today. So uh, my name is Kunal Patel. I've been branded as Dr. KP um, and I'm the owner of Love Teeth Dental Practice. So I graduated abroad in the Czech Republic in 2010. Four years of being an associate, I then decided to buy my own dental practice and I branded it Love Teeth Dental. It was originally a two dental chair practice and within a couple of years, we went to three, four. Now we're six and now we're this year opening six new branches in one year um so we're really going for it and the reason why i'm doing this crazy jump is because i believe in the branding we have and we are listening to our demographic the patients and i think right now i serve a purpose where i feel as if with the companies i work with we can change dentistry in the uk for the better in the digital way and right now while i'm relevant and i can make a change i'm going to push hard um a lot of people say i'm crazy for going for so many at once but everyone i feel has their time and until my time is up i'm going to keep pushing and being crazy <laughs> wow that's that's quite an intro so how how do you there's so much i want to ask you but let's start from the beginning how oh. did you decide to study dentistry abroad okay yeah so the good old gujarati boy spoiled kids <laughs> right so um yeah growing up i was the youngest child from my dad's side of family he's got seven brothers on my mom's side of family she's got six siblings so it was a very very big family typical patel family huge as hell and a lot of expectations and pressures so mm. my from my dad's side of the family it was all about Kunal's going to grow up because I was the youngest he's going to be our doctor he's a doctor he's going to be a doctor and I remember my eldest uncle um always saying that Kunal's going to grow up to be a doctor so in my head uh, that's all I knew and that's what I thought and as I was getting older I had a few cousins that became doctors a few that became dentists and I then went to do my A-levels and I had a bit too much fun. Mum bought me a car <laughs> um, and I didn't get into medicine. I got into, I think it was pharmacy or something, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's not what I wanted to do. So I found out that if I really wanted to do medicine, there was a biomed link you can go down. 
So I started doing biomed at Queen Mary's, did a year of it. And now it wasn't for me. I was like, this is, this is nightmare. And so many people I heard just finished their BSCs and then gave up and never went into it. Mm. But one day my uncle was around and my uncle, I don't know if you've heard about the group Perfect Smile. That's my cousin owns that group. There's, he has, I think, 60 clinics. So his father, my uncle, um, was at my house one day, opened the newspaper and said, look, you can become a dentist in Prague. And at this stage of life, I was, I was probably a bit spoiled still um, and thought, oh, wow, Prague. What do I know of Prague? Um, that's the <laughs> capital of the world, right? <laughs> I thought, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Um, I had a cousin who was a year younger than me. He just finished his A-levels. He, didn't, he wanted to do dentistry. He didn't get in. He went to pharmacy. So we thought, okay, let's do it. So we opened the newspaper. It said Prague. We called up. We did the test. And within two weeks, we were now on our way to Prague. Oh, wow. um, so there was me thinking mum and dad will buy me a dental degree best thing ever right um, we landed once we landed um, a little minibus picked us up and travelled and travelled for about two hours and I was like, what's going on by the time we got to where they wanted us to be it was dark and that year that movie Hostel came out I don't know if you know about that movie. I don't, yeah. but it sounds scary. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a horror movie, um, certainly in Europe, right? And literally this minibus, the person, the driver didn't speak English much, dumped us here, took us to this room and said, this is where you'll stay. And it was like, and it said, somebody will be in touch. We're like, what the hell's going on, right? You go into these rooms and it's the, the proper, like old school European, it's like the sink and the bathtub are, on top of each other and the toilet's right next to it. It was like the most weirdest thing ever. So obviously me and my cousin, you know, we're what, 18, 18, 19? Call up our parents and I'm like, where can we go? Right, this isn't happening. And we're crying. And uh, <laughs> next thing my mum shows up with my sister and uh, an uncle to try and let us settle in. They start cleaning up the flat, trying to make it homely for me and him. Wow. Um, and then they leave, we cry. <laughs> um, and then stick it out, stick it out. We're like packing our suitcases every night, crying. And then all of a sudden we realize that there's uh, about a hundred of us, <laughs> like just being dumped into this place, right? Um, and most of us are like Indians from UK. Um, there's a few from, um, I think it was, what country was it? I think it was, um, Scandinavian countries hmm. uh, so there's like an international century where's Prague like this isn't Prague and uh, it was like a little village outside of Prague two hours away and we were the first class to do dentistry at this university right so it was an international dent uh, university for medicine it's a famous university it's called Charles University and it's well known in America but not so much for us so anyway, it starts, and now we're like, actually, we're not alone. There's other kids like us. So we all just group together. First two years, you have to learn to speak, read, write, check. Um, if you can't, you get kicked out. So the course is in Czech. It's not in English. It's in English, but not written. So all your exams are like vivas. So you have like anatomy, okay. pharmacology, but everything is like a viva, right? Mm. Oral exams. Um, it's taught in English, but you also have to learn the Czech language. 
and you have to be more or less fluent in all aspects of it because their purpose of saying it was that you, you're going to interact with their patients so therefore we need to know the language right as you mm-hmm. come to the fourth or fifth year so if two years you don't know it you get kicked out um also in our first year they gave us some i remember this a tooth model and um, you have to be able to drill an mod in a time limit right and it has to be perfect and i'm talking about these professors have their loops on making sure the angles are perfect and it was me and my cousin and i'm terrible at languages but i was good at drilling and he was great at languages but not the quickest at drilling right so we'll sit in our exams and we literally helped each other through every exam like, yeah we were cheating or whatever else right so he'll fling me his tooth model i'll drill it and then our language exams are like so he will be answering my questions for me and we literally it was the hardest time of my life wow. but I feel as if it was probably the most important thing that happened to me as an individual yeah. because he was my younger cousin so I, I learned how to be responsible I had to earn my degree in a hard way so just so you let you know in our first year there was about 150 of us in our final year there's only six of us got graduated oh gosh so it, it it was a really intense course so it's easy to get into these universities but it's really hard to finish I, I thought okay. you know mom and dad would just pay and they'll just you know keep us yeah. on but those of I mean I'm sure there's listeners here that have been abroad it is very hard to actually complete mm. these courses abroad um, I can imagine especially with the language barrier I didn't realize with the patients as well even even though the course is taught in English you still have to speak to patients right yeah. and I can barely speak English so imagine me speaking <laughs> 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 but you know that's how it happened and why did it happen yeah because I wasn't um I wasn't focused enough I wasn't I was never a a bookworm I was more of a social type of mm. person um you know, and then at the age of 17, I got a bit carried away, you know, having a bit of fun, didn't study so much, just thought I'll get through. And I think going abroad really put me back on a level where, you know, I had yeah. to cook for myself, I had to <laughs> learn how to use a microwave. <laughs> I mean, as far as I got to, but I had to learn to use it, you know, wash clothes. It was the weird things. Yeah. So, and then I came back and I was like, you know, nobody wanted to touch me. Like, you know, I wasn't from Kings. I wasn't from... Yeah, so Kings. 2010, it's still quite quite a while back. 2010 was when I started studying dentistry. So what happened when you got here? Did you have VT? Like, what, what did you have to do? So, you know, I had a cousin that owned so many clinics. So I was like, put me up with a job. He was like, no. <laughs> he was like, no. I was like, Shh. okay, um, what do I do? How does this work? About, back then, we were part of the EU, which was great. So... Mm-hmm. My degree was recognised here. I just had to get it translated, which is fine. Mm. However, to be an NHS dentist, you have to have a um, performer number, right? Therefore, yeah. you need to do a VT. Yeah. I applied. But obviously, you know how it works, selection process. And back then, it was the principal had the choice of whoever he kept on. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted, you know, the guy who graduated abroad. Yeah. Right? yeah. Be their VT. So it was very, very difficult. I had friends that I had to go to Ireland because they wouldn't get jobs. Luckily enough for me, my brother's wife, my baby, was studying dental nursing at the same time as I qualified. And at her dental nursing college, she had a friend who was actually a receptionist at a dental practice. 
which was very close by. So she asked her, would, you know, Dr. Jignesh Patel take Kunawa? And he was like, no, I don't want another Patel. And then she <laughs> begged him to say, look, just give him an interview. So I walked in and I will never forget this guy. And even to this day, um, I'm always there for him, even though, you know, Lofteef has exploded. But he gave me the first hand in life and the first step in life. Yeah. So everything that I, you know, that I know about the business and Bizline, I still go back even though our clinics are literally two minutes away from each other, we always support each other because I wouldn't be here today if that guy didn't give mm. me a chance when no one else did. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an old school dentist, his content, NHS practice, but he was my mentor and probably the best, the most important thing that happened to the start of my career was someone like him giving me an opportunity, which was fantastic, actually. Wow. Yeah, I think it's always those defining moments doesn't matter where you are I think you always remember who gave you your first helping mm. hand essentially and it makes such a big difference because it can make or break your career it, it really does and and I always say to everyone like you know the younger dentists that now I mean I'm old now I've been I've been in the game for about 11 years I think you're I'm that old, old. <laughs> but, but but you know I've been qualified now for 11 years and yeah I didn't have it easy but the one thing I do say to young dentists is you know never forget those who were with you at the beginning that gave you a first yeah. in any aspect of life really yeah um because it, it defines yourself if you're that person that does forget um yeah. and things always come back about you so so you did four years of this job. It was an NHS practice, mixed practice, let's say. And then at what point did you decide that actually I'm going to, I guess it helped that it was in the family and you saw that around you growing up. I think that helps. But yes. at what point did you decide to branch out and do it on your own? So I was working for this small NHS practice um, mm. near my house and it was a single practice. And then obviously family talks. And then obviously my parents were now disclosing to my uncle how much I'm earning at this one practice um and then you know I approached my cousin again and he gave me a job at one of his clinics so now Wait, I have a were job. you earning a lot or not a lot so you were earning was, a lot I, I assume okay well. yeah it, I seem to seem to be good at upselling from NHS and I had no fear I mean I think that's one thing that I always um, talk about and when I'm speaking is I don't. I didn't have the fear of the GDC because I didn't know who the GDC was. Studying abroad, you know, I had no idea. So yeah. you know, I, I I was doing crowns. I was doing fillings without, you know, I, I was I was treatment planning them and I was just getting in there and doing them. And one of the main things that I find these days, and I think I, I've you've heard me say, is um, every day I get questions from young dentists asking me. Should I do this? Or is it the right move? And my answer is always yes. I mean, you guys have the answers, right? You guys got the knowledge. You've been to university. And I feel it's always just that fear of, is, is the GDC going to approve of this? Yeah. Am I going to get in trouble? And my advice is, it's really bad because we, we hear about the bad cases, right? But if we, if we actually calculate how many dentists there are in the UK compared to how many things are going to the GDC is minimal. Mm. It is very minimal. Mm. Um, and I feel the best way to keep your, your way out of the GDC's eyes 
is just working on your communication skills okay within yourselves we've got the practical skills you know you can do courses here and there but communication is very key and making sure that you communicate well with the patient and i think the most important courses out there now are the ones that develop your skills on reading people yeah. communication mirroring i think if i was the course i would say to a young dentist to go for is something down these lines right yeah, rather than clinical right rather than clinical i mean yeah you know, so many clinical courses out there. Everyone's doing a clinical course. I'm about to start one as well, right? <laughs> um, but but this, it, that's not what's most important. I think that's the way to keep yourself out of the GDC and improve your confidence because... Mm. And anyway, so going back to the point, right? Yeah. Um, so I was there. I was good at upselling. Uh, my cousin gave me a job. He had many clinics, so it was more or less I was running this clinic with them with the receptionist at the time so i got a feel of what i wanted i had that pressure from my dad and my family of course you know Chirac has 50 why don't you have 50 clinics right yeah but it was a different day it was a different time um and you know that big huge burst of expanding um by the time it was i was four years is 2014 now right dentistry was very different to when my cousin started we couldn't just explode and buy 10 clinics. Um, it was harder. So I decided that I wanted to take the good things about the little clinic that I was working in, the NHS practice, Jignesh's, and the good things that my cousin's practices had. Okay. Um, and what my cousin's practice had, had branding. It had a machine, like a company. Okay. So organization was a lot better. Um and Jignesh's clinic, it had the welcome feeling. The patients felt as if, you know, they were part of something. It was very welcoming. It was family orientated. It was humbling. The team felt like a family. Whereas at the other clinic, it was very disjointed. So I always knew I went to my clinic and I found one close to home. I was looking for a long time. I wanted something close to home so I can give all my time to. I hate commuting. I mean, mm. I'm the lazy, I'm always late right um i hate commuting i'll be falling asleep if so that was me so i knew i needed something close if i was going to make it work so i found something down the road from jignish's so but obviously out of respect i went to him i said look this is clinic down the road is an old nhs practice it's down the road do you mind if i buy it and he said look if you don't buy it someone else will however obviously he goes obviously I wish it wasn't you because I know what you're capable of. But he goes, go and do it. And he gave me his blessing and I bought the practice down the road. Um, and, and again, that's something that I will never, you know, that's why I'll never stop helping him, even though maybe Love Teeth has gone on. But he was a content guy. He just wanted his one clinic. He was more than happy mm-hmm. to stay in the NHS. Um, so he, he moved me. So what made me pick this practice for young dentists, I think, Location is key in terms of for you to reach. Everyone thinks it's really important to get into a really affluent area or, you know, Harley Street or, you know, here or there. There are patients everywhere and there's plenty for everyone. Okay. So, you know, around me, there's, there were 14 clinics and I was the smallest one at the time. Okay. And it had the worst reputation. I didn't realize it, but I knew there was a dentist in our area called the butcher because I would get patients coming to me saying, 
oh, the butcher did me. And I've never asked where it was. And I knew it was somewhere. <laughs> Lucky enough for me, the practice I bought was where the butcher. Oh, oh my God. So, so we had a really terrible reputation. Um, but my biggest advice is when searching for a clinic is find something close to you so you can give, you don't waste time commuting and that you mm. will give, but also has the right space for you and visibility. I think they're mm. just the main factors because there are patients everywhere. There's plenty for everyone. Um, and I think modern dentistry now needs space. It's mm. not about you know, having small surgeries and more, everyone's looking for an experience, luxury, mm-hmm. um, because, so, so my advice would be, find something, and that's what I found in this place, it was a house, it was close to me, it had a nice prominent feature, so the first thing I did is, because it had a really bad reputation, is I changed the name to Love Teeth, um, just rebranded it, Love Teeth, made it fresh, made it, you know, appealing, I grew up in the area, so I knew what the locals wanted. And, you know, this whole trend of TOWIE was going on then, white mm-hmm. teeth, white this. And I knew, you know, my clinic's located in Surrey. And I knew Surrey sort of thought they were the next, next Essex, right? The people that I grew up with. I was a target age at that point. So I just listened to my local friends, what they wanted. And it was white teeth, straight teeth, you know. So I just created Love Teeth. I went to Payment at Enlighten and I went to him, dude, I want to be the biggest seller of Enlighten. And he goes, you're crazy. Um, how many whitening has the clinic done? I said, well, five in the last year. Um, <laughs> and I go, but, and we pushed it. I've done, I just branded it. I put Enlighten outside, let patients know what we do. I think the biggest mistake a lot of practices make is that they expect patients to know what you provide, okay? Um, and a lot of dentists just think, because we live in this bubble of dentistry, right? Mm-hmm. Dentistry is the most important thing to us, but to actual, to the public, it's not, right? And we used to have patients coming to us just for whitening. And I'll ask them, I'll ask the patient, I'll go, have you had a checkup? And they said, yeah, I had a checkup last week with my dentist, but I'm coming to you for whitening. And I'll say, why didn't you ask your dentist for whitening? I mean, I'm great that you're here, you know. Yeah, yeah. But why? And they said, oh, I don't think he does whitening. And then it got me thinking, wow, of course that dentist does whitening. Yeah. He's missing a trip. And so many clinics, even to this day, are not marketing what they should do. They just feel as if patients should know. So, you know, what am I known for? Huge, huge posters, huge branding. But... You know, I, my way of thinking is a patient's not going to not come to my clinic because I have oversized billboards outside. Yeah. They're either going to just not come because they weren't going to come or they're going to come, right? I'm not going to lose anything by doing yeah. it. Yeah. So bought my practice, branded it, just wanted to give patients the dentistry that I felt that they were missing, mm. that the area wasn't covered. So with that first practice, because I think I'm at that stage now where I've been looking for a practice and that's what I want to do. I think people will know from early on whether they want to stay an associate or whether they want to have their own practice. Mm -hmm. You said you were looking for a long time. What, first of all, what is a long time? 
because for a lot of people, they might have zero experience with business, buying a house, buying a practice. So time scale, what is a long time? I think I, for example, everyone says you should set yourself a time limit to say X number of months, X number of years, whatever I'll look, and then I'll buy it. And also what, what things are you looking for in a practice? Because see, if that was me, I'd be like, okay, their reputation is bad. There's so many dentists, dental practices around me. Like these are the things that could come up as negatives but you saw them as as a chance to improve on that situation right so so how did you go about that what was your thinking at the time so now the first thing that you spoke about is and you said did you want to be an associate or do you want to be a principal mm. right and there's always changes in you know every five or six years whether it's good to be a principal or whether it's good to be an associate right mm-hmm. i think right now it's good to be an associate Okay, it's a good time for an associate. You say um, as you build seven new clinics. Honestly, <laughs> and and I, and I was, and if you do want to be a principal, I'll give you the advice that I think is really important at this time. Hmm. Let me touch on why I think right now it's good to be an associate. Okay, I think the the world financially is very sketchy. We don't know what's going to happen in the next year or so with the whole COVID thing. Um, Post COVID, you know the whole Zoom effect. It was the biggest boom we've ever seen in dentistry. Mm-hmm. Right? So some sort of positive came out of the whole pandemic, which was dentistry boomed. Private dentistry boomed for us, right? Um, was it the Zoom effect? Was it a lot of people doing this on Zoom and looking at each other's teeth and thinking, "Shit, yeah. my teeth crap." <laughs> um, we don't know, but there was a huge boom, which was great. And those who capitalized on it as an associate fantastic you know up their skills did a lot of invisalign invisalign became you know every single clinic does invisalign now right mm. pre-covid there wasn't that many now everyone's doing it um and so associate life i feel right now is easy because there's no stress you're just going in and doing the job however the principal life right now is very very difficult because the world is changing so much finances changed so much i had a bank loan that was going to come through that got pulled a day before it was coming through right just because there are things happening that we have no we don't know what's going on okay nobody really tells us the truth i feel and being a principal and you know purchasing a practice investing in a practice these are things that you will start thinking about now i was an associate for what four years um, being a principal for six, seven years. The only time that I really had expendable income was as an associate. The life I used to live, I mean, you know, people might say, okay, it's not too bad, you have two Lambos, but it wasn't that. Like, it was a different type of life I lived, right? I had my, my work ended at the end of work, mm-hmm. six o'clock, it ended. Um, I used to go home, I'd spend time with my friends, I'd be out every weekend. I looked younger, I was slimmer, I was <laughs> Yeah. Um, the day I became a principal, work hasn't ended for me. And yeah, okay, maybe it's because of me and my background. I don't stop. I'm seven days a week. I'm nonstop, right? I don't have to, okay? Everyone said to me, you know, Love Teeth, the original Love Teeth dental practice, is probably one of the biggest grossing clinics in the UK, right? So why... Are you now putting so much pressure on to try and open six in one time? Again, okay, an additional six. 
I could just retire on that one place. It'll be easy that the machine's working, you know, I'm not, I'm not clinically practicing anymore. So, you know, I've got my exit. The reason why I decided to continue is because I've got that drive in me, mm. but it isn't as easy as it used to be before we just open a practice. We've signed up. The world is changing The you know, we're, we're dealing with different types of generations now, generation X, millennials, you know, Z, I don't know what letter you Gen are. Z. Yeah. <laughs> Z, X, Y, I don't know, but it's a different mentality. So you're only going to be a successful principal of today. If you want to evolve the old school dentist prince, you could be a principal and just stayed in your way. It will be fine. Mm. Right. The post COVID, a lot of pra- people went, I'm opening a private clinic. This is amazing. I'm an associate. I'm doing loads of things. I'm grossing this much. My principal is taking 50%, 60% of it. I'm going to open my own. And so many new practices started opening up in the last year. And they still are. However, things are now coming back to normal. Things are slowing down. And it's, I believe, my prediction is in 12 months' time, a lot of practices will start shutting down because they didn't evolve and adapt over this period of time because it was easy money. They just stayed in their way. Mm-hmm. However, this was the time where if you were forward thinking and thought about your workflows, if you started thinking about the patient journey, if you thought about the experience, this was the time to do it. Because I believe the only clinics that will probably survive or, you know, everyone will survive, but be as profitable as they wanted to be, um, were the ones that use this time to focus on this. Mm. Because there's a lot more clinics than there were pre-COVID mm. in a big way. There's a lot more of us opening and trying to be principals. And it's a lot harder than it ever is. Money's getting tighter. Um, you know, lab bills start adding up. Rent mm. starts adding up. This is when you start feeling it as a principal. So how to pick the right practice for you? You want to fix a wrapper. You don't want something that's already pre-made because you're going to spend so much goodwill that's going to take you a good seven, eight years to get that goodwill out before you even start making a penny. So the best things to go for are fixer-uppers where you can add your own niche. Now, look, Shadi, you know, the things that I've seen that you do you know, the way you market and brand your podcast, you know, um, you know, you've got a vision that may be perfect for your target audience. But when you want to go into a principle, have a plan beforehand. Don't, don't buy a clinic and then plan. Plan what type of dentistry you want to do. Plan the type of branding you want. And then things will become so much easier. If you go in and worry about the, and if you take over an existing practice, you've got a problem as well because, you know, it's already met its full potential. Mm. What can you add to it? You can add a little bit, but rent does, you know, if you're leasing, does catch up to you eventually. Um, there's this problem right now where a lot of these new practices have opened. Nursing is a shortage. So, they're, you know, everyone's up their salary for nurses. But have we upped our prices for dental treatment? No right so soon as things start getting harder again to earn money and sell treatments that's when we're going to feel actually these salaries that we've put out there are actually unaffordable now Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong like i'm a big believer that 
dental nurses in the UK are underpaid, notoriously. They are. I think it's an industry that really needs to be looked at. We did it internally. We restructured our whole pay pay scheme um, within our company as we're growing. And I thought, you know, being an associate working there, that they were really underpaid and we bumped it up. But even that now has come to a stage where we're coming out of this easy making money period where, you know, small clinics are paying nurses £16 an hour, which is fine for a single clinic, you know. But a a clinic that has many practices, we can't afford to have, you know, 20 dental nurses on that sort of value or can we? It depends. We didn't increase our treatment value. So how can we increase our staff? So these are things that as a principal, you have to be business savvy. You yeah, know, you do. Yeah. really, you're more of a business minded person than a clinician. So my advice, be a principal, be an associate, be an associate. If you really love clinical dentistry, you have a true passion for it. And you know, within yourself, you'll be truthful to yourself. Are you someone that is business minded? Are you brave? Okay. Are you someone that has, you know, can can change and manipulate with the times? You know, um, I don't know what's it called. Like, have a vision. If you're not someone that has that, then guys, stick to drilling. You know, that's yeah. what you're best at. Yeah. Refine them skills. You can be a very successful associate, and it's easy money. I'm jealous and envious of the type of money my associates are taking right now. It makes <laughs> me proud. It, I'm proud as hell, but I never had it, this. It was dentistry wasn't like that for me. I had to mm. graft really, really mm. hard to make money, right? Mm. And now, you know, I look at my I'm not saying that my associates don't work hard, but I'm saying it's an easier time to make yeah. money than it ever was. If you're business minded, you love people, you think you're good at speaking to people, be a principal. Um, so- when you say go for a fixer-upper, do you mean build up a squat practice? Okay, so th- there's two things. You either go for a squat. The good advantage of a squat is you don't have to pay goodwill, right? Yeah. Or you, it's less of a risk, really, in terms of do a squat if you have a vision, you have a brand, you're going to stick to it and you're going to execute it and you're going to be brave. Go for a squat. You pay a lease. is nothing. Just rent. How much maximum can rent be? Five, six grand a month? How much dental treatment is that to cover? It's not much, okay? A mm. couple of Invisaligns, three, four Invisaligns, you cover your rent. That's fine, okay? Mm. Um, so as long as you've got a great vision, go for a squat because there's not that much overhead. To fit one surgery, dental chair in a surgery with units and everything, 20K, so you invest 20K. To fit out a waiting room, do you need waiting rooms anymore? My new clinics don't have waiting rooms, right? They don't. It's it's. It, I'm trying to change the way dentistry is going to be going. We do that in another podcast, right? <laughs> but, but we don't. So so doing a squat is, I feel, financially cheaper. Mm-hmm. However, you have to have a vision because you're going to have to try and get patients in the chair. Mm. So marketing then comes into it. Social media is the easiest way to get patients at the moment. Mm. Right? You're good on social media. Shouldn't be a problem. Okay? As long as you have a unique selling point. You know, what's your USP? What's your thing? TikToks. There you go. That's your thing.
Now, not doing a squat and buying an existing practice, you know, the good old Indians will say, um, like my parents did, buy an NHS contract, you know, it's safe, okay? But you do spend a lot on goodwill. It's expensive. Yeah. Realistically, what are you paying for? Now, I just bought one, so let me weigh it up. I bought an existing dental practice, uh, had a small NHS contract. It wasn't worth much, the NHS contract. And I paid three or two times the value of the NHS contract, right? I've gone into that business and I've redone everything. So what was my goodwill? Like, what did I pay for? I paid for the NHS contract and that was it. Now, these days, is an NHS contract a bit more of a burden than what else because of the, what's happening? The only reason why I still went through with that deal is because it was going on from since pre-COVID. It went on for a year and a half, okay? okay. So I, I then completed it and just took it on. The other five practices that I'm setting up, they're all squats. Every single one's a squat. They're all around the same area, okay? They're not far from each other. How does that make sense? How does it make sense, right? So so let's talk about it. So an existing practice, so let's talk finances. The NHS contract's about 170K. Mm -hmm. I bought it for 500 and something, just over 500K. So I've paid, and the private wasn't much there at all, 30K. So let's say it was, it was turning over 200K and I paid 500K for it, okay? That extra 300K is for what? NHS contract, the patient list, everything like that. I've gone into the practice. The patients that are there, the way they were looked after, they had a bit of den plan, is terrible. I've had to redo the whole premises. The chairs aren't working. I mean, you you pay goodwill for the chairs. Compressors mm. aren't working. Suctions aren't working. I've done a whole new refurb. So I've had to actually pay on top of that another possible 100K, right? Staff have all left. I mean, they went right for us anyway, okay? Majority of them. So we've recruited. So there's that expense. So now that practice cost me, what, 600, 700K? Okay? But I have an income of 200K for NHS. So let's say 500. I'll go and set up a squat. How much does a squat cost me? Per surgery, depends how many chairs I want. Every chair costs me about 20K to room. Um, branding, you know, signage outside, another 10K. Decorating, builder work, you know, however much it comes to you. So let's say in total to set up a squat with, let's say, three surgeries, 200, 300K. Okay. That is an investment. Don't get me wrong, right? It's, it's a lot of investment. and um, But at least then I know that it's a lot less than my squat practice was, but the building has been built to work in the flow that my vision is. Yeah. So, so we have as many TCO rooms as we have dental surgeries. Wow. Probably let more TCO rooms in some sites than actual dental surgeries. Okay? So... There's one key advice I always say, and I don't know if it will catch on, but I've always said it. The biggest expense for a practice owner is not staff wages. It's not lab bills. Your biggest expense is your chair time. Your chair time is something that can make you money. Therefore, every second that is empty or every minute that's empty, you're actually losing money, right? You have to think of it like that. So you will be a successful clinic if you work out a way to efficiently utilize your chair times. 
So this last thing I want to talk about, this is a very, very valuable episode, so we might even split it into two, but this is my favorite thing to talk about, marketing. How do you, because Love Teeth is everywhere. I didn't, I didn't used to see it before and now it's everywhere. I see like sponsored ads of you and this guy with, who's got new implants and stuff and he's great. <laughs> um, how, how did you start with the marketing? What, what's your advice to other people building a brand, marketing, getting patients in the chair? Right, so let's go through the basics, okay? So right now I'm looking at the, because we just opened the call center, right? So I'm looking out the window and I can see Asda. And what what is what's their logo like? Asda's, just plain, simple, oh, yeah, bold, yeah. just letters, right? Tesco, Sainsbury's, Apple. You, you see, you see how the way they name themselves is in bold, just simple letters. You look at Love Tea, it's bold and simple letters, right? Um, I don't have their fancy calligraphy, right? And I started thinking to myself, are, are these guys like Asda, Tesco, the really successful big companies? Well, why are they making it more like aesthetically pleasing? Mm. The purpose is that they want it eye-catching, simple, drive past, you know, that's an Asda. You don't have to wait and try and read that calligraphy and what mm. it is. So my first thing I did was name and the logo had to be something very simple. Okay. Um, so love teeth. I think my dad helped me make it. Um, I just made it bold. No, no fancy is is not appealing. So my first piece of advice in marketing is if you're going to create a brand, okay, don't overcomplicate it. It depends on how big you want to be, right? Um, Louis Vuitton, you know, all these brands are very simple in what they did. So we did that with love teeth. Why did I go for slutty pink? Okay. I went for slightly pink originally um, because I wanted eye-catching. That's my external marketing. So external is like the slightly pink, you know, in your face. But if you come into one of my practice, the pink turns to rose gold, the gray turns to silver. It changes internally. Marketing, I think, is very, you have to be very careful on what you do. Don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Never forget what the objective was of you. And the whole purpose of marketing is to get a message out to those who need it on what you do, how good you are at doing it, and where to do it, where to find you. Always think for the next thing, like, what did you do? You thought about TikTok. TikTok's the next thing. I'm always thinking about next thing in marketing. We have to evolve. And marketing before used to be paying a company to do your Google AdWords and do this and that. To be fair, you can be a successful clinic and not pay a single paid ad, right? We became successful only in the last year or so that I've outsourced our marketing. Up to that day, it was me and my wife internally. Mm. And even now, like Instagram stories, a lot of it was just me, okay, up to this day. Um, and I think Instagram, you can't outsource. It has to be some, you have to do it yourself. That's the key thing. So until that point, until you're ready, do your organic growth. Work on social media, work on Instagram. Then I think, yeah, and I think with marketing is the key thing is keep it simple but relevant. And, that's and consistent. I think that's the important thing. I think a lot of people start and then just give up because you're not going to see results literally overnight. It's something that you have to keep working at. 100%. And don't copy other people's or try and yeah. think like, like your podcast. We, we spoke about it before we started your cover for your podcast, right? Mm. But the way you do it, you know, you, you, you cut us out, crop us out, put us on your podcast. It's different. Mm. It's great. Don't change it. That's your thing. 
that, mm. that's your thing like we'll recognize your podcast by that a new thing we're starting is we're gonna end finish off the podcast with your advice to either your younger self or to young dentists out there who are trying to find out what they want trying to find their way simple doesn't have to be complicated but what is your general advice to to people trying to make it as as dentists and and i say and those of you have heard me say before is be confident okay just you've got it in you believe in yourself and just confidence is the thing that you're lacking just Mm -hmm. go out there and be confident in what you want to do one of my things i always say is dentists out there not just clinically or everything they're so nervous about executing but we're not saving lives right we're not we're not brain surgeons we're not you know just just do it you know just go and do it do what we need to do don't overthink it um and just be confident in yourself advice i would have given myself um is maybe looked after my health a bit better Mm -hmm. while doing this um I my family and work balance I'm still trying to get on top of it I mean I'm lucky I've got the most supporting wife and family um I'm not around much I've got three-year-old I the one thing that I'd say to myself is maybe work on that aspect better Mm -hmm. what's my background my background is seeing my dad work seven days a week for you know my whole life I never Mm -hmm. saw him my mum being a housewife, but then, you know, one day own a building company, you know? So, you know, these are the two people that I had mm-hmm. around me my whole life. I didn't know anything. Now I'm thinking to myself, get that balance right. Like young dentists like yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you don't work six days a week, do you? Like two to three days a week. <laughs> I mean, I'm interviewing new dentists every day and I'm saying full time. Yeah. They're like, yeah, full time. No, I, I, I've tried that. It's it's not the most productive. It's counterproductive, actually, if you do that. It is. And someone old school like me, we won't understand that, right? Yeah. But, but I'm starting to realise what you guys are doing. Like, as I said, I'm interviewing dentists and they're saying full time, but their full time is four days a week. And I'm like, that's not full time, you know, six days. But I have to accept it. And that's the world's going in. And I appreciate it as long as you're you know, working your time right. And you have to look after your health is key. My back's gone. My neck's gone. I can't, I can't, I can't recover it. I'm in chronic pain. And that was from me working six days a week to no roots for many years, just being ghetto and, you know, doing what my dad did, you know? Um, So my advice is look after your health, get the balance right. Like what you guys are doing these days, young dentists are doing right. But don't be lazy because there's a thin line that I'm seeing between the younger associates that they're, they're taking this okay it's normal to only work three four days but they're being lazy about it they're not putting the effort in the it depends purpose. why you're working yeah. two three days a week like exactly. i cut down because the other two days i'm probably working more than if i'm in the clinic like i was saying to you i was recording yesterday today editing doing lots of extracurricular stuff that you want to spend time on it depends yeah. what you're doing the other days of the week if you're doing nothing then be in a clinic by all means i actually don't interview dentists looking at their cvs I get them in front of me and I speak to them. Honestly, I will invest in the person. Okay. I can teach someone, train someone to be, I think, any way they want to be, as long as they've got the right 
core in them, I feel that they're there. So honestly, I don't look at portfolio of clinical work because I think anyone can be trained to do well. Yeah, yeah. By training. I invest in that person, that work ethic. And it's the person that I do. So if you ever want a job at Love Tea, anyone, <laughs> um, don't worry if you don't have a great portfolio. Because it's not about that. It's about yeah. having the right person with the right mentality. really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things I know I certainly did and as always don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode you can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr Shadi Manucheri I always love hearing your responses and if you have any requests for future podcast episodes please let me know there I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular as always there will be a new episode every week so please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode and I can't wait to speak to you soon